When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the In the Paint Show, episode 129. I'm here with my co-host, Chelsea Hopkins. Chelsea, we had a, a, a show coming up that we're going to focus on the NBA playoffs and obviously the WNBA kicking off. It's uh, the 26th season for the WNBA. They just celebrated their 25th anniversary. Um, how was your weekend? Great weekend. Speaking of WNBA, last night I caught the Aces and Seattle Storm game. Um, it was Mother's Day, so I took my mom. You know, happy belated Mother's Day to the moms that listen to the podcast. Sure. Um, but good weekend overall. Worked out, watched a lot of basketball, NBA, WNBA, live Aces game, spent time with my mom. Can't complain. Good weekend. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I was able to spend some time with my mom as well. Nice. Obviously, like she had, a, you know, my mom always supported whatever I was doing. So that was always nice. Yeah. You know, like even on my 18th birthday, she took me to some juke. She let me not skip school. She took me to the Juco championships at UC Irvine. I was like, my mom, I'm going to go. Can you just drop me <laughs> off? I didn't even have a ride home. I was like, I'll see somebody there. Figure uh, it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. She's like, yeah, go ahead and drop. You know, it was cool. I got to see uh uh, some good players back then when Ju- California Juco was really good on my 18th birthday. So I always remember that. But nice. yeah, when we get into to the ball, let's talk about, I guess, jump in with the NBA. And I guess it seems like, and it may be a good thing. There's a lot of things going on. It's like half the news is like off the court, especially with Golden State and Memphis. There's always something going on. Like some guy did he injure him on purpose? Uh, he's laughing. And then, you know, Everybody's like, Chris Paul's mom got hands put on her. I'm like, what? You know, when you say those words, the thing I I conjure up an image of, Chris Paul's almost 40 years old, right? So his Mm -hmm. mama's 65. I'm assuming she's 65. So like, hands on her mom? Like, did he bump her? Did somebody bump her? Did somebody nudge her? I mean, when you say put hands on her, that sounds really bad. Yeah, and you know how social media works the news travels so fast. Yeah. I actually didn't even know really what happened, but I got on Twitter and I see Chris Paul kind of being contained by his teammates yelling into the crowd or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of the, the media these days happens to be off the court, yeah. um, you know, with the officiating and then the kind of back and forth between um, right. Memphis and Golden State. Uh, it definitely makes for some entertainment. I mean, I'm definitely amused by some of the stuff that's happening, but Sure. Uh, hopefully we can get back to the basketball pretty soon. Yeah, I mean the basketball's been pretty good. Uh, let's run down the 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 uh, you know the the series. We obviously have four series going on. Two of them are tied, and two of them are two to one. As you listen to this pod, uh, the Celtics have a big game against the Bucks. They're down two to one, and the Warriors are up two to one on the grid. So it's kind of like big games from the Celtics and big games for Memphis. I guess the big question for Memphis is. Is their best player, John Morant, going to play? Again, he he was being trapped at the top of the key. Looks like Jordan Poole went for the ball. And people are like, did you see that? That's so dirty. 
he twisted his knee while he's going that to, you know, one way and his knee's going the other. And other people are like, no, he just barely grabbed it. He was going for the ball. Chelsea, what do you think? Obviously, that's a sensitive thing for you because you're always worried to like, take care of your body and your knees. Man, like, I'm going to so be honest. I, I did not like the play when yeah. I actually saw it in slow-mo. Like, I didn't really see it when it was happening in real time. Sure. Um, okay. I didn't like it. You know, one hand on the hip, one hand on the knee, kind of like, you know. Twist. Um, yeah. but, but just knowing Jordan Poole, and yeah. I don't know him personally, but I'm saying knowing him as a player, he doesn't try to play defense at all. Um, his defense is horrendous, as yeah. a matter of fact. Um, yeah. More times than not, he's getting beat off the dribble. He's kind of reaching in, you know, doing little things. Right. Like I, I've never seen him really do anything dirty, sure. you know, from what I've seen. And, and I don't even see most of the time the effort on defense to even do something dirty because he's not playing hard enough. You know right. what I mean? Sure. So I didn't like it. And if I, it would have happened to me, I would have felt the way about it too, because like Ooh, the knees yeah. are just the worst, That's especially good. if you have a history of it. And, you know, Jaws mm-hmm. already really skinny and, you know, he's had a little bit of trouble with his knees in the past. So I understand why he's upset with it. And I think given the fact that Dylan Brooks was ejected, which I, or I mean, suspended for a game, which I totally mm-hmm. believe he should have been suspended. Like, um, I don't have a problem with that, but I think that now everybody's looking for something. Well, this happened to us, so now look what they're doing. And Steve yeah. Kerr basically said he came out and said the team was kind of dirty. And you know, yep. same thing with you know, you see Stephen A. and you know Skip and all these people on social media talking about um, the physicality of the series and, and and stuff like that. So, so I think it just like kind of all gives it a little bit of context and just adds to the fact that you know it's been really physical out there. Um, sure. I personally don't think Jordan Poole was intentionally trying to hurt John Moran. Yeah. But I can, in slow-mo, it doesn't look great because the ball's like way up here. Jordan Poole's way down here on the opposite side. One hand on the hip, one hand on the yeah. knee, like opposite direction, pushing of each. Like it, it doesn't look good. I will say yeah. that. Yeah, it doesn't look good in super slow-mo. I just thought like when you say when you watch it, if you if you show it in real speed, he would have to think and do a lot for even to like, okay, am I going to get this ball? Am I going to try to hurt this dude? Like, I don't think most basketball players think that. Like, hey, I'm going to go for this loose ball. No, I'm going to try to twist his knee when nobody can, nobody's watching. Like, that's yeah. seems and, like a lot. And I just look at, like, you have, people have histories of certain things. And, yeah. like, you know, Draymond Green gets a bad rep for a lot of plays that he's made. And, and you know, some of them are very warranted. But he's also a very aggressive physical player. So Jordan Poole doesn't have that physicality. He doesn't bring the effort, the energy, or the aggression on defense. So I just don't see him intentionally. That's right. not him. You know what I mean? It's like it's like just a lazy him. play, really. Yeah. It's like almost like a lazy play. Like die for the ball, dude. Like yeah. in front of you, down on the floor. Not yeah. I, I you know not not like I'm gonna grab the player and maybe he won't get the ball. Mm-hmm. And then there was another weird play where somebody kind of dove at his. Yeah, knees. Desmond Bain. Yeah, Desmond Bain. That looked and, a little odd. That you know looked I mean? odd too because of where the ball was, but like at the same time, like like I said, it's. I think that we can nitpick at everything now that certain things have happened, you know. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just hard to say, but you know, I like to give players with at least a track record the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Like certain players have a history of doing certain things, so when you see them do it, it's like, oh, they absolutely were intentionally being dirty or whatever. But yeah. players that we've never really seen it, like I don't want to just say. Maybe they did do a dirty play, but does that constitute them as a dirty player when we've never really seen that from them, you know? Yeah, correct. So. Yeah, so like basically on the court, obviously there's a lot of things going on off the court with, with that series. And then it's, they show um, 
Poole kind of joking around with his teammate Clay Thompson, kind of grabbing his knee. That just like, oh my yeah, god, that that looks really do? bad. Timing was what terrible on that. Do? Yeah, because if you that other play didn't happen, you wouldn't think nothing of it, you know. Yeah. And like they're filming the players all on the court all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. So they almost mm-hmm. can't do anything that sounds like, why is that guy laughing at that? You know, why is he laughing or why is he making fun of that person? You know, I, I remember before, like uh, one day the Celtics were blowing somebody out back in the day. And like Kevin McHale was eating a pizza on the, on the, on the bench, like eating mm-hmm. a full grown, like he got it from yeah. the, <laughs> such a man, like, oh, you gonna get it. Like now you look at it. Like he would have been, he was so blown out of his mind. Like yeah. he was high. Like, his eyes were like low. He was just eating the pizza and he was just having a laughing. him and Robert Parrish were just laughing. It's like, and everybody just thought it was a joke. Like nobody, everything's so magnified now, it's, mm-hmm. and which is good. I mean, they, they have, Obviously, the fan base and, and obviously technology makes it that way. But, yeah, you know, the thing with, with Chris Paul's mom was very odd. I hope, like, you know, they kicked out the fan. But, like, you see a bunch of grown men, you know, it's just odd. You see, like, 12 grown men staring at, like, a 12-year-old boy. Like, what's really going on here? Like, Yeah. I, I, I do I do think that they need to get the fans under control, though. We've, like saw, a, we've saw a lot of odd things. Yeah, the player yeah. in, in the Memphis series coming and gluing her hand to the floor. The one fan that ran onto the court got tackled by the security guard. Like yeah. some of these fans, like the behavior is out of control. So obviously we don't know the details of what happened, yeah. but you know, people have to understand that at the end of the day, we're all just people. And yeah. you people, I think sometimes fans think that, well, I paid a ticket, so I have a right to do this, this and that, but it doesn't work like that. And, right. and I'm always just of the mindset don't do something in that moment that you wouldn't do anywhere else. Like, sure. would you run up to Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook on the street and taunt them and maybe throw stuff at him? Or, you know, you wouldn't do oh, it. Wouldn't do so why do you feel comfortable doing it in a different scenario? Like, boo, cheer, be a fan. All that's fine. But when it comes to yeah. running on the court and touching the players, like, I- I'm totally against yeah. all of those things. Yeah, it's funny to me when I, again, you have to, because you don't know what somebody has, especially – like we look, we talked about obviously Will Smith and what happened with Chris Rock was like big news. And then look what happened with Chappelle. Like, mm-hmm. and then the fans supposedly had something on them. Like that could have been really yeah, bad. Yeah, the fans right. in just in any yeah. scenario are getting way too comfortable and security yeah. has to figure it out. Like it's, it's not appropriate anywhere. Yeah. Now I know this is not like socially correct or politically correct, but whenever I see like fans and I see, uh, an NBA player. I'm just laughing because I'm thinking like, like those are the guys that don't need security, like no NBA player, but you just don't know what the, yeah, the fan you don't is know. doing. Because I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, okay, a fan comes up to like, you know, even John Moran, like John Moran's a big, quick dude. Like he can defend himself, you know, like we don't yeah. see it that way. But, but, but I think it's more about just having something to lose. Like, you right. know, I, I'm yeah. worth millions of dollars. I have a brand. I have a name. I'm oh, representing yeah. the NBA. I'm representing myself. So yeah, I could whoop this fan 100%. But the fan is going to be all over the news, you know, and I'm going to lose my endorsements and lose a whole bunch of money. Like, so that, it, that it's, you know, it's obviously yeah. these men can protect themselves. Like, yeah. I don't think that's the that's question at all. Because, yeah. like, you know, the women doing her hand, it's almost just like, whoa, I'm going to get away because I don't know what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's just about protecting the whole, everybody involved, the fans, then the security doesn't have to tackle somebody. Yeah. You know, like, it's about protecting. So what do you think they do? Just maybe move the fans a little back? Or, but like, I, I honestly don't know the solution because yeah. the fans are coming from everywhere. Yeah, the one that came to the court yeah. was like, yeah. and the and the security got her like immediately, Correct. like yeah. tackled her like it was a football game, like just true. immediately. 
So what is the solution? Because this was somebody who was what, dang near courtside, you know, two or three rows up, you know, just waiting for the perfect opportunity to jump on the court and was taken down immediately. But it's like, what, what do you do? Have the fans not show up because they're oh, right. You can't. It's a. It's I don't a know great, if they can do anything more. It's a great. I mean, basketball is a great spectator sport. That's why it's become so popular. Yeah. Really, compared to like even when you go to a baseball game, it's a great experience. But you're far away. You got to watch because the ball can. If you sit close, the ball could come at you. You got to pay attention. Like yeah, you're still kind of far away. You're still you know in a basketball. If you get a good seat and you save your money, like it's a hell of an experience yeah. to sit like right there. And yeah. just be right on them and hey, you know, you're cheering, but yeah, there's well, no situation. maybe they can up the consequences. Like, yeah. you know, most times the fan, okay, you're banned from the arena. Yeah. But it's like, okay, like it needs to be like some type of punishment for physically yeah. touching these players or attempting to. And then maybe people yeah. will think twice about it. Well, dang, do I really want, you know, this <laughs> misdemeanor or maybe spending a night in jail? I don't know. Maybe that's extreme, but I'm just saying, like, people no, usually tend to you know, people tend to be discouraged to do certain things when they know yeah. something potentially really bad could happen or something mm-hmm. worth, you know. Yeah, for sure. Worth it's gonna know. be really hurt them. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's talk about on the court. So do you think too much going on with with uh obviously John Moran plays are gonna be at a big disadvantage, but does put you on the spot? Does Grizzlies have any chance in this series? Or like are they just not experienced enough? There is too much going on and 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 uh the Warriors are the better team. Uh, they have no chance. Um, I don't, even if John Moran comes back, it'll be more competitive and it'll be tough and harder. But, you know, championship pedigree, experience, you know, right. they have all the right pieces. Steph, you know, hasn't really played great. Clay kind of caught fire last game and, and did better. Um, yeah. But just too much talent, too much depth. And, and I just don't see Memphis having enough. And, you know, the the runs and stuff that they were able to do against the Timberwolves, like that doesn't work versus Golden State. So, Gotcha. You know, it doesn't always happen this way, but a series is going to tend to favor the better team. And I think Warriors are better, even though they're lower or higher seed. Yeah. And um, I think that Memphis, you know, is going to make it competitive. Maybe they can squeeze out another game, but I really don't see it. Uh, Golden State is going to win this um, in either five or six. Gotcha. So then in, in the other series, that's two to one. Uh, the Celtics are, on a, on a, on a, you know, they have a big game coming up again. They're not in a situation where their best player is maybe not playing, maybe playing. We'll find out obviously later today as, as you guys are listening to this pod, but do they have a legitimate gripe, gripe on basically what happened last game? Uh, time was running out. They're down. Uh, they're down in the game against the bucks and Jason Tatum's on the left wing. He kind of drives, he kind of either panics or realizes, Hey, we need three. So he kicks it back out to Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's a little out of position. He's not really in position to shoot a in rhythm three, but he still got hit, and they call it on the ground. Like, do you think – and then they're obviously like, whoa, wait a minute, this is a three because we've always naturally given the player the benefit of the, oh, he's shooting the three at the end of the game. But they called it on the ground, and that was basically the game. It was 100% a three, in my opinion. I think just collectively and overall, the officiating has not been great in any series that I've seen. Um, You know, we do call that because he was saying that it was a sweep through, which I know they're trying to change the rule, whatever about sweep throughs, but he still swept into the shot. Upward motion going into the shot definitely should have been a three and it cost them the game. Yeah. yeah, and, and 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 one thing about that, which, you know, that was a yeah, that, that was an unfortunate situation. But when I watched that series, like, believe it or not, like, I think Boston is better collectively. 
Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't see Middleton coming back for the series. I see Giannis, who's the best player in the world, having to score 47 or whatever he mm -hmm. had last game for them to barely win. Okay. Boston just had Jason Tatum shoot horrendously and have the worst game that he's probably had in a really long time. But yeah. I think collectively they can win the series. So Giannis wow. is going to be Giannis. He's going to dominate and he's going to have 40, you know, maybe 50, whatever. <laughs> and sometimes that's enough to get you over the hump. They have no mm -hmm. answer for him. But yeah. I just look at it from a team standpoint, if Jason Tatum would have made any shots, then yeah. maybe the, 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 you know, the Celtics could have got away with that win. Correct. So, you know, I think that that's one of the uh, closest series, like in terms of just teams, like yeah. um, being, you know, kind of favorably matched to one another. Sure. Um, I do think Giannis is the best player in the world now. Like I, I don't, I, I, it, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't care if you don't like the way he plays and he can't shoot and he will air ball two free throws and a three every single game. That's fine. He's the most dominant and he's the best player and it's yeah. just not close. We saw, wow. we saw Kevin Durant, who I, I, I think is absolutely incredible. And you know, him and Giannis are, are right there, but we saw Kevin Durant struggle against that Boston defense. And Giannis is getting in charge every now and then airballing. But at the end of the day, I look up and he has 47 points and 13 rebounds and eight assists. And his team is up to one. Yeah. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. You're right. Like it's just the physicality. And then also the, just the way, like you mentioned it last week, if you can just put the ball on the deck for one dribble and get from the top of the key to the cup, you can't, that's a, like you said, that's a skill. And that's just, that's basketball basically. And that is a skill around. though. Yeah. That's a skill. We, we look at Kevin Durant. He's the smoothest, the tallest. He can shoot. He's 100% more skilled than Giannis. But Giannis yeah. is scoring. Giannis is, quote, unquote, not as skilled and scoring more points and doing it easier and more efficiently because his, his are all dunks. Correct. So my thing is, like, we can't move the goalpost on, well, KD scores like this and Giannis scores like that. Well, guess what? Giannis averages more points and he scores one way and he does it every time no matter, who's he, no matter who he's playing against. Correct. So, and that's always been my thing with Chris Paul, because people talk about how good he is. And, and now I'm changing the subjects a little bit, but I'm trying to make a point. Like when you have if you're in a big game, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm rather trying to guard Kevin Durant. If I'm six, eight and a pretty good length, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I could bother shot a little bit, get up under him, force him, push him out toward the three point line, get him away from the key. And I have a chance to hold him to 25 mm -hmm. on 20 shots. If I'm guarding Giannis, I'm like, dude, this is going to be a tough thing to do like so in other words when you have a guard like chris paul i can find somebody that can slow him down a little bit at least a little bit because yeah. he's not physically dominant he's not yeah that's like, true the, the physicality part is different and you have to have guys that are willing to sacrifice their body like right. listen you know kd's not going to pummel you and dunk on you and Giannis, you can draw charges and stuff on him but who wants who who wants to go in there and get ran over yeah, he's like I a bull in a china shop looking at the referee like Aren't you gonna help me? Like, yeah, like, like God is just killing them. Like, back yeah. in that's demoralizing for any basketball player. I don't care. Yeah. If, dude, I don't care if a guy hits a thirty footer on me. I'm like, okay, good shot, dude. But yeah. if a guy's just like, hey, I'm about to just you know bully you and get you out of the way. Like, that's demoralizing. Any doesn't matter if you're a girl, boy, JV, varsity. That's the, that hurt. Like, you're like, damn, what am I yeah. gonna do? And and that's truthfully, none of these guys can be stopped. I mean, like, I, yeah. I looked at last series. You know, yeah. everybody is praising Jose Alvarado, and as they should. He, he did yeah. incredible. He's undrafted. He worked his way, you know, to get a contract and stuff like that. So 100%. He was nagging Chris Paul, getting on Chris Paul's nerve. He was like a little gnat the whole game. But Chris Paul still went 14 for 14 and had 30 points. So it's <laughs> like, 
Yes, he did great. But Chris is still Chris and KD's still KD. And same with Giannis. They're all incredible. They're not going to be stopped. The main thing is just trying to lower the efficiency as much as possible. But like I said, I think the physicality, when you have to pick somebody to guard, that just wears on you. You know, somebody shooting over me as opposed to somebody putting their body in my chest every night. Like, it's it's just, you know, what, what do you prefer? Yeah, what do you prefer? I'd prefer somebody hitting a 40 foot on me and not be like, <laughs> yeah, shot. you hope they miss at least, like, you know, Good shot. So, yeah, so that's going to be an interesting series. Obviously, like we said, those are two ones, the others are two, two. Uh, obviously, the home court made a big difference, and obviously, Joe Embiid coming back. And I mean, that's what shows like the effort. Like, I think again, you never want to compare somebody's career or what somebody's doing. So, but when you see a guy like what Embiid is doing, and then you you realize the Ben Simmons situation, you're like, I'm glad. I'm just glad we have Embiid on our team. <laughs> like, like the effort, you know what I mean? Because he didn't have to come back for that third game. Like, he did though, and he made a difference. You know, like where well, the mask. Absolutely. You like, know, I, I think he. Well, effort, the extra effort's a big difference. No, one hundred percent. I also think too, like you know, he was still kind of fighting for the MVP race at the time. The, the you know, it just came out today that Joker ended up being crowned the MVP. But you know, yeah. he was very much so in the mix, and you sure. know, maybe those people seeing him again, you know, could have maybe got him over the hump in terms of the voters. Um, but but I respect it a lot. I think ultimately. Um, He's just trying to take that next step in the career. He wants to get a championship. You know, he wants to be league MVP. So unless you're really out there, despite the circumstances, yeah, it's not favorable. But, you know, I I don't think people understand how difficult sometimes it is just to get to, you know, an Eastern Conference final or the NBA final. Like sometimes you have these opportunities ahead of you and and they don't come around again. So not to say that that's going to be the case for Philly, but, you know, sometimes even if you're not in your best shape and and, and something's in front of you, you got to just do the best that you can. And obviously his best is uh, really good and it made the difference and they're back in the series now. Um, But it's just one of those situations, you know? Yeah, for sure. Obviously just his presence alone makes a big difference. It just, you know, it's like a lot of other players play better. You know, the, the players have played really good at home and we'll see if anybody can play good on the road because it seems like in those series that are tied 2-2, which is, you know, 76ers and, and Heat and then the Maz and Phoenix, the role players have played really good at home and just okay on the road. So, mm-hmm. like, can Dorian Finney-Smith from the Maz get hot or, uh, you know, somebody get hot on the road? Because yeah. one of those teams is going to have to win on the road. So do you think anybody's going to win on the road or, like, Phoenix is going to win because they got home court too? It's basically best out of three. and they got I mean – it's basically best out of three, but, you know, the games have been, you know, pretty close. Like, I feel like, you know, there's a couple plays here and there that really, you know, sealed the game or changed the game for, you know, one team or another. So, you know, I'm not ruling it out. Um, I think that, you know, Phoenix, who's an incredible, you know, defensive team, I feel like they can win anywhere. But, you know, right now they're just trying to figure it out. You know, the Mavs yeah. came and kind of jumped on them early in the last two games and, and that made the difference. Um, But yeah, I think pretty much, you know, the series, like I said, especially with Boston and Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee stole one. They, you know, you can pretty much win anywhere. The teams are not, you know, too far off. They're Um, not in balance. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good series. We'll see how they go. There's obviously we wanted to mention that and you mentioned the Joker. So let's go back to what you guys said a few weeks ago. You thought uh, Joel Embiid should win the MVP. So did Ani. I thought. Jokic would win it, but I really thought, like, in a weird way, I thought Embiid deserved it, but I think Mm -hmm. because of, like, the stats and because he had two starters out the whole year, I thought 
he would win, like that he deserved to win. But I really thought Embiid would probably win, but he didn't. Like, and then you have Giannis, who you mentioned, and we mentioned a few times, like he's be- he's the best player, but he didn't win. He didn't deserve, you know, he didn't necessarily deserve, quote unquote, deserve MVP. So, well, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think now that, that it came out? And like now he's won back-to-back MVPs. That's pretty big on the, you know, Richter scale or on historically of the NBA. And, you know, it's, nobody's going to be like crying about it. But I think a lot of people are now saying, look at what Embiid's doing. He's so, you know, hard. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not mad about it. And, yeah. you know, you made the point about Embiid missing players. I mean, Joker was too, you know, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray. Those are their uh, second and third best players that, you know, are also out. So he's had to do a lot um, with less as well. Um, I give Joel Embiid the edge because the numbers are pretty similar uh, with the exception of assists. Um, you know, yeah. Joker kills him in that area. But Joker's a better defender to me. He's bigger, he's physical, he moves his feet. Um, You know, so I I like the fact that he's playing on both sides of the ball. I like the fact that for the first time in his career, he's playing, you know, 65, 70 games where he's usually, you know, missing at least 30 games minimum. Um, So I I really felt like he deserved it in this scenario. The whole Ben Simmons thing, um, trying to implement James Harden and make it work. I know that was kind of late in the season, but, you know, still, like, I, I felt like he definitely deserved it. Um, but but I can't be mad that Joker got it. I mean, he's absolutely incredible. Um, it sucks to be in a position like him where, you know, you kind of don't feel like you're out there by yourself, but, you know, you're just undermanned. Like, those are the, that's the hardest time to play. Like, oh, we're yeah. playing Golden State. Everybody's back. Steph is back. Dre's back. Clay's back. And here I am, you know, going to war it. with my guys, as I would, but I don't have the horses that I'm used to having. So that means yeah. I have to be exceptional and the margin of error is so small and they were only able to win one game and he's doing 30 point triple doubles every single night. Like that's, that's hard too. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a very close race. I'm just glad that people are into it in their closest race. It just seemed like 20 years ago or back before social media was big and even the internet, like you just gave out, they gave it, they announced the word and was like, okay, yeah, that was cool. He deserved it. Like there was no buildup. Like it just seemed like the same players won all the time. Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, you know, and it wasn't that that discussed. It was just like, okay, he won it. He deserved it. Yeah. But 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 even speaking of awards, like I really don't know the criteria for most of these awards anymore. Um, You know, you mentioned Giannis. Giannis, to me, the best player in the league. Um, Braun was the best player in the league for, you know, 10 years, maybe a decade straight. And he only got five MVPs out of it. Um, They're they're not going to just always give the best player, the MVP and, and Milwaukee has a great team. So, you know, obviously yeah, I, I can see why they would lean more towards the Joker and like Giannis, yeah. but just the words in general, I, I would like to see some type of criteria come out period um, yeah. of how they're going to give the award. Um, you know, we saw Russ get it cause he led, you know, he had triple doubles or whatever was the first person to average that for a whole season. You know, that's fine. They didn't really win like that. They came in as what, maybe the eighth seed that year, right, like, right. you know, Denver came in, I can't remember what seed they were this year, but bounced out in the first round. Like, so I, I want to see the award given at the end of the year. And I want there to be criteria for every single award. And speaking of another award, most improved, like, yeah, that John Morant got that this year. John Morant is incredible. He certainly improved. He also is a franchise player. So if I'm picking you number two, I expect you to improve and be great um, your first year and your second year and your third year. And I just don't think you should be eligible for that type of award. I just don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, you can show improvement, but that'll just you should just be third team NBA to first team NBA then. And it's 
That's yeah, you know you're correct. Yeah. Or win the MVP or what you know, being the MVP running. It's like Yeah, and there's so many people that when you look at the like John Morant improved, but it's like the improvement was what? Okay, he averaged at 22 points and now he averaged 25 like okay but then you have Jordan Poole who averaged you know six points and now averages 18 or Desmond Bain or you know like it right it, it, we need to have some type of criteria for everything you need to play a certain amount of games 100 um you need to not be a top draft pick if you want to be the most improved <laughs> player that's just yeah. that like you just can't be and you know I, I would like to see them make the playoffs do a couple different things and just give the award at the end of the season that would be it's ideal kind of, for me it's kind of like you mentioned about promoting the WNBA, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. If you, John Morant being the most improved player kind of kills, it's like nobody's going to talk about it because nobody's going to care. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, I mean, they just think he's a great player. Mm-hmm. He's the most watched player in the NBA, actually, on video-wise. Yeah. They, you know, the metrics show that. But if you gave the most improved player award to Jordan Poole or uh, somebody else, it, you, have, you create a story for that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, it means a lot more for his career. When Absolutely. you just give a first, a first or second team All NBA player most improved, it's just like, yeah, it's not a story. So like, it's back to what you said about the WNBA. You said it before. We're going to talk about it here. It's like create storylines that make sense to you. That storyline doesn't make sense. No. Like John Murray, it's like okay, you just move on, and, and and you know we'll keep moving on. There's been a lot of things that happened in the last week. We kind of talked about nil a bit. Yeah, um, and that seems like that's going to be taken care of. Uh, you know, fast here. Like they're making very quick moves on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's kind of hypocritical, to be honest. Like SEC commissioner and the Pac-12 commissioner met up with U.S. senators last Thursday. So when I hear that, and they're basically asking for legislative help with mm-hmm. federal policies because the state rules very, very widely on this issue, as we mentioned before. And, and it's funny, the Big 12 commissioner came out and mentioned that getting any, anything done before the midterms is doubtful. And my, that's my big point. Like, Chester, we haven't talked about it much on this spot, but, like, we're almost, like, the countries and the world is, like, in a very delicate place with mm-hmm. war. War. Yeah. Your gas, I know you're not just driving anywhere. Oh, let me just drive around and go down the strip. Like, Man, yeah. I'm about to start riding my bike. It's terrible <laughs> out here. It costs me 88 to fill up. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, gas is $6 a gallon everywhere around the country. Um, there's people getting evicted now again after COVID mm-hmm. and, you know, we talk about house prices and, and rent prices are just out of control. I mean, I'm very blessed. I'm glad I don't have to pay a bunch of rent that's gone up 50% mm-hmm. in the last year. So mm-hmm. based on all that, why are we talking about NIL? Like in, in Congress, like let them do their job. The things that have to get done, like you guys had a chance to get out in front of this. You chose not to, and now you want to like, yeah. Uh, oh, you know, you hear you hear SEC coaches talking about like, oh, we need some policies in place. Like, why? What do you think? Why? Yeah. why? I mean, do you have any like strong opinion or like why? No, you just know why. No, I really don't. Like, I'm with you on it. Like, like I said, it, it's happened. We're at this point because, you know, they didn't want to negotiate and figure it out when they've been fighting for years for players to be able to be compensated for their likeliness. So, you know, this is the situation that we're in. Like you said, there's way bigger issues, you know, amongst us that we shouldn't even really worry about it. Like I said, it's going to adapt eventually uh, with the contract restrictions and stuff like that. But is it a priority? Absolutely not. These kids are going to get this money and that's how it is. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, because they're going to find new ways to skin the cats. Kind of like we say the robbers, uh, you know, when 
the families go out for the summer, they rob the house. Well, then they start a neighborhood watch. Well, then the, the robbers come yeah. up with a new concept and a new scheme. Like yeah. they're just going to come up with a new way to skim it. So, you know, yeah, you know, like you said, I always just thought the market would, would, would correct itself in a few years because it's brand new. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't want to pay, you know, a kid, you know, half a million dollars and I really didn't get anything in return. Mm-hmm. I get it. You know, like he's not doing it. He's doing it almost for a pay per pay inducement. But eventually, how many years are they going to want to do that? Like, yeah. I just don't see that. Right. Eventually, they'll just say, okay, uh, Chelsea wants to go to Duke. Like, should we give her 800000 No, I think she'll be cool with twenty five k and I'll deal. We'll give her, you know, uh, some Walkman. Uh, right. I'm I don't think she's going to be like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, yeah. no. It'll eventually balance itself out. So I just think, you know, going in front of Congress is is basically they're trying to get the easy way out and, and we'll follow it and we're going to talk about it more. And actually there's been some fallout like the Wichita state AD was already filed fired yeah. because he mentioned that he's like, our school can't compete in the NIL market. And the, I guess the school's like, well, you're out there. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's already making a big difference in like what people's employment, what people's job titles are. Yeah, sure. it's, it's making a big difference. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger has been on top of it. He's been putting out a lot of stories on it. And basically, if you're not collecting $500 million uh, for your salary pool for NL collectives, you're already behind the, the eight ball. Yeah. Like if your school, big school's not already have $500 million kind of like in a pot, you're already behind the eight ball. So like that's- Yeah, but, but my thing is, is like now that money is legal, it's become a thing, but this has always been a thing, Ronnie. We talked about this. It's always been a thing. There's schools that have paid under the table and it wasn't legal and we didn't know about it. And they had access to recruits that other people didn't. And there's always going to be some type of imbalance and unfairness. And that's what the NCAA was trying to argue um, previously when they were like, you know, when you pay the players, there's certain players that aren't going to make this and aren't going to make that. You know, there's never going to be a perfect balance of of, you know, money for for anybody. Like sure. if I play at Duke and I'm high profile and I'm blue blood, absolutely I'm going to make more money than this guy at Wichita State. That, that's just yeah. how it works. That's how so, it works. So, you know, now that it's become legal and maybe people are seeing the numbers, hey, yeah. this kid's making half a mil, this kid's making 10,000. So now they want to say, look, that can't be right. But this has been a thing forever. Now sure. we're just seeing it in the forefront and we're mm-hmm. seeing people be able to do it in real time and right in front of our face as opposed to under the table like they did for the last 20 years. And that's just cool. what it is. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Let, let's move on. Let's talk about our main in the paint topic. We want to talk about the WNBA, which has kicked off its 26th season. Um, you know, in your opinion, you know, see what's exciting on the horizon, Chelsea, because. What I see now, and again, I've talked about this. We talked about this with Kelsey Boner in another episode, is that, you know, social media is always talking about what's wrong. Let's add this. Oh, the rosters are small. Let's, what, like, what's right? Why don't we, I don't hear enough talking about what's right. So, just so far, what are you seeing? What's right, like, about this going into its 26th season? Yeah, the league has grown tremendously. Um, yeah. I think it's so hard because we're just in an era of comparing. Oh, well, look yeah. at the NBA. Uh, look at the NFL. Like, right. if we really compare leagues where they were at specific times, the NBA at year 25, year 26, wasn't thriving like it is today. No. So, right. you know, I think that we're just in an era where everything is so accessible. It's right in front of our face. You get on your phone and you see this and you see that. Exactly. And, and, and it kind of hinders, you know, the good things that are happening with the league. Sure. Um, 
the CBA has gone up. The collective bargaining agreement, the women are getting paid significantly more than what they're used to. Um, so obviously that's a positive. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing good things and we're seeing growth, but ultimately it just takes time. Like, you know, I think the negative things, you can always shed light on that, but all things aren't bad. There's still women that want to be in the league. I mean, yeah. I, I guess this is a negative and a positive, but you had a lot of girls enter the draft this year. So but players want to be involved in this league. They're excited about the opportunity to be there. You know, the negative is that they only draft 30 people and maybe six or eight of those 30 people actually stay on a roster. So so it goes both ways. Um, we're seeing more publicity. We're seeing more television broadcast. I mean, pretty much all the WNBA games are being broadcast. Um, some of right. them on lesser networks. I mean, we have games on Facebook and Twitter, which, you know, is not necessarily ideal. But there was a time where there was, you know, four WNBA games in a, game, in a day and only you would only know about one. So right. I, I think that there's definitely growth. You're, you're seeing these games on ESPN2. You're seeing these games on CBS Sports, um, NBA TV. Awesome. Yeah. All that stuff is great. We're trying to show every game. So like the games are popping up on Facebook and Twitter. And, and that's obviously good publicity and good growth for the league. And hopefully one day we can maybe create a WNBA TV network where we can just broadcast all the games there. Um, right. So every, everything takes time. Um, you know, if you go in terms of leagues, the WNBA is young. Year 26. It's year 26. And then we've talked about that before. Yeah. Like you start comparing. I like to get away from curse. I know Kelsey Bone said, hey, use that. Get on the NBA's back and kind of use them and propel yourself forward. And I kind of agree with that. But when I hear the girls, even girls in the WNBA, and I see their tweets, I'm like, let's start a G League. I'm like, why do you even have to call it the G League when you're saying let's start it? Just say let's start a minor league or let's start mm -hmm. another league or let's start a developmental league. The W development. Why does it have to? Why do you have to call it the G League? Yeah, the NBA G League's not even popular. Like, what do you comparison? That, yeah, this comparison kills you. It's like a, that old saying, you know, comparisons the it kills joy. You know, so it's like mm -hmm. always that comparison. I I think there should be some maybe some thing that's that's designated like a minor league or developmental league. I think that would be good. So those girls have somewhere to go. Again, I don't know how much how the financials will work, but um, you know, like you mentioned, there's a lot of girls not. Uh, making the rosters because the rosters are limited. There's only 144 spots. There's, there, there's you know, 12 times 12, basically, with the mm -hmm. balls down. Just don't carry 11. Mm -hmm. So do you think, like, uh, you should – the WMA should try to uh, partner up with something that's out there, like Athletes Unlimited, or uh, create their own? Or do you think, like, hey, do you think, basically, in essence, that not having the following of a great college player and her going into the NBA and people are like, oh, I want to follow her. I've been following her in college. Is that really hurtful? Or is it like, no, that's just not as hurtful as it's overblown and, and the NBA, WMA has to do their own work to make it viable. No, I, I definitely think it's super hurtful um, because you can just look at the following and you can look at the fan attendance. South okay. Carolina is a sold out arena every single game. Okay. They, there is no WNBA game that exceeds the fans of South Carolina. Gotcha. So if South Carolina is bringing Asia Wilson and yeah. this year they brought Destiny Henderson, those yeah. fans are going to follow those players because they're dedicated. So I, I definitely think that it's super hurtful um, to not have those players, you know, in the WNBA or even, you know, just like you said, developmental leagues. Like I, I really enjoyed Athletes Unlimited um, this year, how they gave an alternative for girls. Um, you know, to come and compete and play. And, and a lot of those girls who 
you know, some were in the WNBA, but a lot that weren't end up getting training camp contracts and opportunities based on that. So we do need to definitely have some type of alternative because, you know, it's becoming such a popular league and there's so many girls that want to be involved. Like it's, it kind of negates having an amazing college career basically to get drafted and that basically just be a glorified tryout. Like I get drafted and maybe I'm the fifth pick and, and I don't stay on the team. Like this year, the eighth pick and the 11th pick got cut. Ooh. Yeah, so, that's so, like that. Why I would turn that as a positive. Look how great these girls are. Look how hard it is to make. I know that's not a great thing, but you got to do something to make no, it, it like a you, real. You got you to keep those. You got to keep right. those, Ronnie. The, if this is my dream and I'm working day in yeah. and day out to be a WNBA player, maybe I'm not ready right away. And and I understand that there's limited spots, but but there has to be somewhere for me to go because you don't see that in any other league. And and I think yeah. that's why it becomes a negative because it doesn't happen anywhere else. Doesn't we have happen. girls that, you know, yeah. look at Crystal Dangerfield, who was WNBA rookie of the year two seasons ago, and she got cut from Minnesota. Um, wow. She ultimately got picked back up, you know, Indiana on a hardship contract, but th- there's just no spots. So we wow. have to create something. So maybe it's a partnership mm-hmm. thing since Athletes Unlimited has already started. The, the yeah. thing with Athletes Unlimited is they've looked at Athletes Unlimited as an alternative for going overseas because gotcha. Athletes Unlimited is taking place um, this year. It was February and January. That's yeah. out of WNBA season. So that's not really a developmental league for the WNBA. The WNBA is in the summer. Athletes yeah. Unlimited was an alternative for the girls who didn't want to go overseas. So yeah. I, I would love to see them try to figure out how they can, you know, create you know, something for these girls that, you know, maybe aren't WNBA ready, but have a lot of potential and a lot of talent. And, yeah. and you don't want to push the older veterans out, but yes. the, the WNBA is the only league. I'm sorry. I have to say this. The WNBA is the only league that will hold on to these players <laughs> until they want to retire because of their resume and their history and who they used to be. Correct. And, 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 and you want to honor legends and they deserve that. Sure. But Look, I'm not going to name names, but some of these players got to go. Ronnie, they have to go. Like, you have to make room for the younger players. You know, if if you're going to Udonis Haslam, you know, one of these vets, and and, and they're glorified kind of on the the bench, you know, cheering and stuff like that, then then that's maybe one thing. And and I would actually like to see them transition to the coaching staff. Sure. But some of these players are – have the ability to stay just because of who they are and not necessarily because they're the best at this point in time. Cause certainly at a certain age, you are not the best anymore. We see it right. with anybody like LeBron's my favorite player. He's not the best anymore. He's yeah. old. There's better people. And yeah. you know, it, it doesn't come down to that. So they, they definitely have to find some alternative. I don't think it's okay to have really high draft picks um, because it's not, it's not a good look. Like it's there has to be something else. Sporting world. Yeah. And I I think I think the most reasonable thing that we can do right now, like, I mean, the league hasn't expanded in 14 years. There hasn't been a new team. I think we're generating a lot of interest and that expansion will come at some point very soon. But I think just, you know, when the CBA is up again and we have to kind of renegotiate the collective bargaining agreement, if anything, expand the rosters. Let's let's do 15 players. Let's do 14 and, and one injured reserve. You know, different ways where you can squeeze players in. And, and, and I think that's more feasible at this point than thinking that somebody's going to buy a team because we've heard talks of people buying team for the last several years. Gotcha. Hey, you know, we want a team in the Bay or, 
hey, you know, they want to bring back the monarchs in, in SAC. Like, we, yeah. it, it's always rumors and buzz, but, but what's realistic? I think the most realistic thing at this point is to expand the rosters. And the CBA, maybe the money will drop a little bit with, you know, the max contracts when we finally got to increase. But sure. if we can shed, you know, instead of the max being 220 and we drop it to 210, but we're able to carry two more people on the roster because we were able to stretch it out, then, then maybe that's something that we need to do. And I yeah. think players would be open to it. Yeah, like you said, because the money's getting better, it's kind of like a catch-22. The money's getting better, especially for the veterans, so the veterans don't want to retire. Hey, if I can make... 200K and 32 games or 30 games, I'm going to stay on, like you said. But you know, some of those players need to move on. So there's got to yeah. be some some balance and, and, there. And in the CBA, yeah. too, one other thing I would like to see, just a random thing, and maybe this isn't great, but I would like to see it. I think you need, there needs to be a rule that a team has to carry a rookie. Yeah, yeah. Or because maybe guaranteed that if you get drafted. In the top 10, then you're on the team for at least a season or two seasons. Correct. And you, you look at Minnesota. Yeah, yes. Minnesota has no rookies on the team. They have not one first-year player on their roster. So to me, it's like, no, like you have to keep one. You drafted some people, keep one. Especially since you're saying the NCAA women's game and the women's tournament and the top players are really popular. I would say almost as popular as most of the WNBA players. And in essence, yeah, you know, they have the exposure. They they have a good tournament. People yeah. follow them, especially South Carolina, Tennessee, UConn the schools that we all know about that we've followed from for a long time. So yeah, it would help to have that carryover. Let's talk about the teams themselves. Um, there was talk, you know, if you're looking, you're from Vegas and you know about betting. So according to the betting world, you know, in the betting world, I guess the, the aces are one of the favorites and the S Connecticut sun do you agree with that assessment, like on, from a betting standpoint? Those two are supposed to be the best teams, but are they the best teams, Chelsea, like going into the season? I, I would say it's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. Connecticut Sun was the best team all last year in the regular season, came up short um, sure. kind of in the playoffs. The roster got shaken up a little bit. They had a player come back from injury and maybe kind of uh, played with the chemistry. Um, and the Aces are always in the mix at the very end. I think now that they have Becky Hammond as their new coach, then that's going to kind of get them over the hump. They always kind of get stuck in the semifinal, but they've always had a lot of talent from top to bottom. Um, I think you have to have those two, those two teams, the favorites. Um, but when you look at other rosters on paper, um, there's other teams that, you know, have really good pieces. Um, I look at Chicago, the defending champion. They um, added Emma Messiman, who's an absolute huge piece. Um, so they added her. So you're, I, I would say that they're going to be in the mix, barring everybody staying healthy. And then I look at Washington, a team that, um, you know, has missed their star player in Deladon for the last several seasons. And, you know, wow. when she's playing and she's healthy, she's easily uh, top three in the league. Um, they added Alicia Clark, who's coming back from injury, too. She won championships with Seattle. So they have the pedigree there. Um, if, if those players can stay healthy, then those are going to be teams that are going to come into the mix that, um, people wouldn't be surprised if they did because it's just like they have the pieces. It's just who's going to be playing. Yeah, like you mentioned, health is important. You 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 mentioned Chicago, and and I know you gave me this tidbit that they they didn't have a great regular season record, but that's because in Candace Parker's first season coming over from the Sparks, she started off injured. They yep. started off zero and eight, and then they got hot, and that's a big thing because if there's only thirty two games and a player misses you know, or gets seriously hurt or misses half the season that's a lot like 
15 games in the NBA, you're like, oh, okay, he's going to come yeah. back. But this is a, that's a big deal. Can I mean, play? well, when it's a player like her, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I believe it was in preseason that she got a high ankle sprain. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately they started 0-8. They fought their way to 500. Um, and basically, I, I feel like once you get in, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, you'll have home court advantage. Maybe somebody's a higher seed, but it's just about clicking at the right moment and having everybody healthy at the right time, and, and you can make a run, and that's exactly what Chicago did. So, Yeah, so speaking of that, because Candace went over from – she was a longtime Spark, and she went over to Chicago, and then the Sparks missed the playoffs last year. They don't, they're usually a perennial contender. And then uh, Liz Cambridge came over from the Aces. So we're going to talk to Rashawn Haylock as our guest this this weekend. He's going to come on a little bit. T- he's a play-by-play announcer for the Alley Sparks. Gets us some, get some insight there. So what do you think that did for the dynamic? I mean, obviously, the Aces lost a great player. They go to the Sparks. But you're saying the Aces are still very good, even though, you know, and they, they have a new coach. They have some new blood. They have a lot of fan interest. I know you went to the game the other night. It seemed like there was a lot of buzz. What do you take of that dynamic from one great player going to a contender and then the aces still being right in the mix? Well, I think sometimes less is more. I mean, you know, Liz Cambage, she's an incredible player. I don't think anybody disputes that. Um, yeah. But, you know, before she came to the team or when she wasn't on the team, Asia Wilson was MVP. So yeah. I felt like Asia Wilson and Liz kind of, you know, got in each other's way. Um, it wasn't really a great dynamic of the, it wasn't a good fit. Not that they don't like each other or they hate each other, but I watched many aces games. Uh, yeah. for the last several years, just being a, a Las Vegas native. And I just didn't feel like it was really a good fit, both of those girls together. So, you know, we saw the dominance of Liz when she played for Dallas. I think when she can go to L.A. and, you know, she's going to play alongside NECA, um, who's incredible. Um, I think that, you know, just shaking it up wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad look for her. I mean, she's super talented. And, you know, uh, L.A. has a lot, a lot, a lot of talent on paper as well. Um, I think people could they can be a sleeper team. Um, they got Jordan Canada running the point now. Obviously, NECA, who's absolutely incredible, who comes into the season just with a chip on her shoulder. You know, she gets she gets the short end of the stick in USA. She's been an MVP in this yeah. league. You know, I, I, I'm always rooting for her because I feel like she's suffered from a lot of politics um, in the WNBA. Um, so, you know, I, I love to see her excel and do well. And, and, you know, I think she can provide the leadership that sometimes Liz needs. Um, you know, uh, Liz has a strong personality, as you know, and, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. But just to have somebody that can, you know, be in her ear and keep her focused um, and just like you said, just shaking up the environment. Sometimes just getting, you know, a, a new new scenery can do wonder, wonders for you. We, we see that with Bill. I mean, uh, with Ben Simmons uh, leaving Philly and going to Brooklyn and we see him on the bench the first day and he's smiling from ear to ear. He was just happy to, to kind of get out of there. So yeah. not that that was the case with Liz, but but I think that she has the opportunity to thrive and, and kind of be the player that everybody knew that she can be. And I feel like her last couple of seasons were down just because of the pairing. But um, the Aces are going to pick up right where they left off. Um, they got a, a, a good coach in Becky Hammond, a lot of NBA experience and just WNBA experience and pedigree from being a player to now a head coach. So um, the transition for her has been pretty smooth. They started the season 2-0 and and they beat – you know, a good Seattle Storm team last night. Um, so I see them just being where they always are. And, and I'm interested to see, you know, if Becky's going to kind of get them over the hump at the end of the year, which is where they've come up short the last couple seasons. Gotcha. Yeah. And what do you think? Do you think those two teams or those four teams we mentioned? And then do you think there could be a surprise finalist? Like is Washington in the mix? 
the Sparks? Or I like Washington. I really like Washington because Natasha Cloud uh, played in the Athletes Unlimited this uh, past season, built her confidence up, shooting the ball great through the first two games. Um, she looks good. But it all comes down to Deladon, you know, and, and I love her as a player. She's a tremendous player, but she's kind of held the team hostage, you know, the last couple seasons because she's a max player and she's taken a lot of money and she hasn't played. So, you know, I feel like she's the piece. If she's going to be around and be available, she's one of the best players in the league. Like, they're, they're not – you can't have a bad team when, when she's on it and she's playing, she's you playing. know. But even now, like, she played, what, the first two games, and I think the next game they're going to rest her because they're just so trying to keep her – yeah, I know, I know. It's a short season. Um, <laughs> but I read somewhere, and I don't know, like, you know, don't quote me on this, but just, like, they're going to be – they're going to manage her minutes. They're going to be cautious of – her availability because they want to ultimately make sure she plays the entire season. And she hasn't done that for the last several years. Now, is that just kind of like a load management thing or does it, she have a legitimate injury or just, they just want to be cautious and not. No, she's absolutely had legitimate injuries, but she's absolutely one of the best players in the league. So if I have to figure out how I can preserve her, you know, then, then I'm going to do it. You know, everybody's not going to have that luxury, you know, to be able to do certain things, but She's an MVP in this league. She's a champion in this league. And she's one of the best players in this league. So, obviously, she's going to be able to have a little bit more leeway than the average player. And like you mentioned, with Chicago, she, they don't need to have the top seed. Like, Chicago won the championship from the eighth seed, correct? And, and you have to get hot at the right time. Absolutely. You know, they don't need the, the top seed to win, basically. No, I don't think so. Um, they have, you know, emerging uh, Kalia Copper, who's yeah. – you know, came on very strong last year, finals MVP, had an excellent breakout season. Um, she's overseas still right now, still in, um, where's she at right now? Spain. So she will be coming back to the team. So they played their first couple games without her. Um, and, you know, it's going to take some time. Sometimes things don't click, you know. It, it, yeah. It's all kind of building up to, to the end. And I think Chicago showed that as long as you get in, you, you have a chance. So, gotcha. Well, let's, let's bring in our guest, Rashawn Haylock. Uh, Rashawn, how are you doing? Are you there? What's going on? How you doing, Ron? I'm doing good. And yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Good to see you, man. How was uh, how how was uh, some Sparks' first game, and how was uh, you know, how's it going on the play-by-play front and the media front and and the team? You know, how, give us a little insight there. Two and zero, baby. Two yeah. and zero. That 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 gives you a little bit of yeah. an idea. Um, look, I mean, this team is off to to a terrific start, and um, if you you think about there were just a lot of questions coming in, right? You know, different, a lot of pieces, uh, a lot of personalities, if you will, right? Can they mesh? Things of that nature. Um, but I know it's only two games and it's still early and, and you got to win against a, a shorthanded Chicago squad and then another win against a very young Indiana team. But um, they were both road wins and, and that, that atmosphere in Chicago was raucous, right? It wasn't their ring night, but they still brought the championship trophy out and, and, and people were in there going crazy. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, it, it's it was a road win with the, with a team that is trying to still, you know, build continuity and, 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 and find each other. I mean, they're just three players uh, on this team currently still waiting for, for Coach KT to join them that she's right. Chrissy Tyler right now with mm-hmm. the Mavericks, but just three players currently who played together last year. And so, you know, you got a lot of a lot of team building to do, if you will. But um, one thing that, I, that I'll, I'm most impressed with is the fact that the win in Chicago and the win in Indiana uh, on yesterday, they were done in different ways, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The three ball was effective uh, against Chicago. 
Um, Liz Cambage really never got into a rhythm because of early foul trouble. Uh, yesterday against Indiana, it was a whole lot of Liz, right? She ended mm -hmm. up with a double-double. Dominant. Um, they absolutely demolished Indiana in the paint. Uh, they they scored close to 90 points with only making one three-point field goal in the entire game. Couldn't mm -hmm. couldn't make a three to save their lives. They're just one for 10 from beyond the arc. So um, if you're Derek Fisher, you got to like what you're seeing. A lot of the things that were shortcomings last year so far have gone in their favor through two games this season. But, you know, got to continue. Got to continue. It's a, uh, it's a long trek. Yeah, that makes sense. And they, they, you said they got off to a, a good start and they could win in different ways. And, and obviously they're not at 100 percent yet. So when you look at this team, Rashawn, going back to training camp, did you get the general feeling that, you know, there needs to be big improvements or do, is, is last season looked at as an aberration and this team is, is a title contender? You know, what, think, what do you kind of get? I think yeah. last year was a part of the big picture, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. um, look, you get rid of, I mean, let's just call it what it is, a Hall of Fame caliber yeah. player, generational yeah. talent, and Candace Parker, all of a sudden, it's just, the, the dominoes aren't just going to fall right back together, right? But sure. a part of her leaving ushered in, um, a new thought, right? A, a new, a new philosophy, a new way of going about things uh, under you know Derek Fisher. And last year was his first year as general manager, right? So you know, there's there's a learning curve there as well. He gets that under his belt, and then this offseason, I mean, he put a GM hat on and he got hella creative, if if, if I will, you know, like the, to be able to put this team together. The caps, the, the the Sparks had pretty much zero cap space coming into this offseason. Mm -hmm. So if you'd have told me they would have ended up with Jordan Canada, Liz Cambage, um, you know, Katie Lou, uh, Samuelson, also Kennedy Carter, I'd have thought you were crazy. Like, how is that possible, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it was a lot of creativity. Um, there, there's a, a change in the philosophy, and so what is being built now um, is a championship caliber franchise i mean let's face it liz cambage wanted to be in la she's wanted to be here her mm -hmm. entire career but she was not going to come and just sign on to any team just to wear the purple and gold right she wanted to make sure that you know the, the organization was headed towards that direction and granted look you've got to give her a pat on the back as well because she took a little bit less than maybe she would have gotten elsewhere yeah. to be able to be here and be maybe that that last big hook if you will uh for this team to be able to challenge for it for a title nice Rayshawn, i have a question for you so you know you talk about candace parker leaving um, kind of that maybe being a distraction because she's a Hall of Fame, you know, caliber player. But, you know, now it makes me think of the Gumake sisters and, you know, particularly NECA. Do you feel like she's in a better position to kind of, you know, she was the MVP in this league. So, you know, I think that she has leadership potential, star power potential. Do you think she has a chance to basically come back into her own um, now that Candace has kind of kind of left? NECA is the consummate pro. I mean, she's a leader's leader. Um she, she's the real deal, right? I mean, we we all know that. And but yes to your question, but I think it's, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with Candace. I think okay. the fact that this season she can just be more free, and she's mm -hmm. talked about this, right? Like the last two years on Neka Agumake, quite frankly, were hard. Um, you think about the bubble and her being the WNBA Players Association president, right? Like. It wasn't just let's go to Florida and play some games like she was a part of constructing the whole thing. Anytime mm -hmm. something came up, you, you talked about how, you know, the, the WNBA was, you know, ahead of the charge when it when it came to, you know, things that were going on off off the court. When, when you talk about, you know, racial inequalities and things of that nature, like 
she's at the forefront, at the mm-hmm. center of this, right? And so while it's admirable and, and it's obviously, you know, she realizes her biggest, her bigger purpose, it can be draining, right? And then last year, the injuries, right? That took a toll on her and then all the off the court stuff with the Olympic team, yada, yeah. yada, yada. Like that, that stuff takes a lot out of you. So she entered this training camp healthy and then, you know, free from like an emotional and a mental standpoint as well, where she can just go out there and just play ball. No, absolutely. I, I think with with that freedom, though, also comes like expectation, you know, like I think with Candace leaving and, and not that Candace got in NECA's way, but, you know, she's they're always going to, you know, shine light on the Hall of Famers. They still talk about Sue and Diana and, and maybe they're not the, the best players, you know, on the team anymore, but they're just going to get that attention because of who they are. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think now that NECA you know, can be more free. There's going to be expectations, especially with the acquisition of Liz coming to the team. You know, people expect the Sparks to do something. So so do you think the culture and the expectations have, have changed now? Uh, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt this is NECA's team, though, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and she fully embraces the fact that, look, this is L.A. You know, these are the three-time champion L.A. Sparks, right? Mm-hmm. You need to put some furniture in the building. And she's been a part of one of those championships, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think she's fully aware of that. Um, she embraces that. You look at the hashtag time to show, right? That's not just a hashtag that's on Twitter for the L.A. Sparks this year. That's become like a mantra for this mm-hmm. team. And time to show can mean a lot of different things as it relates to this team. You look at you look at NECA, you look at Liz Cambage, you look at all of these pieces that have come together that maybe have had some individual success, but maybe not necessarily that team success. Mm-hmm. You're in L.A. now. It's time yeah. to show. It's time mm-hmm. for the Sparks organization to show that they can get back to playing, you know, championship caliber basketball. And so mm-hmm. NECA fully embraces that. Um, you know, she's the she's the leader in that in that locker room. Um, she, her voice can be heard and is very, very present uh, amongst all the leaders. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. You, you hit the ball right on the, hit the nail right on the head. Mm-hmm. Rashawn, talk, you, you mentioned some great acquisitions, even though they had, uh, you know, little space in in the cap. Uh, you know, talk about these players, Jordan, a little bit or even Carter, Katie Lou. You know, which one will of these additions will the fans be pleasantly surprised by or which returning roster player do you anticipate a big jump in production from based on the movements? Maybe somebody is having an opportunity to shine. Well, I mean, look, it was Jordan Canada who who put on for her city on opening night, right? I mean, she got a tweet from Magic and, mm-hmm. and, and was so excited about that. <laughs> Canada just went crazy in Chicago. 15 points in the final four minutes of regulation and overtime hitting those three clutch wow. free throws to force the OT. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she really did her thing. Uh, Kennedy Carter, you saw her come off the bench and, and play, you know, more minutes uh, yesterday in Indiana. She showed not just the scoring ability, but the playmaking ability as well. Um, you look at Liz Cambage, I mean, we all know she's the most dominant big in the game, right? That, that kind of speaks for itself. Uh, we, we'll see what Katie Lou brings to the table. Obviously, you like the spacing that she provides, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to knock down shots, and you want spacing around NECA and around mm-hmm. Liz, right, because they're, they're going to get the ball, you know, inside. They're going to draw a lot of attention. Um, Lexi Brown had a really huge game mm-hmm. on opening night against her former squad, and she sort of picked up where she left off from the offseason when she played in the Athletes Unlimited League, um, and, and that just she just kind of just took off in, in that league, and that kind of carried over. Uh, into um, opening night, and and she found herself playing starters minutes uh, once again on Sunday, even though she has not started a game. So um, there's a lot to to look at, a, a lot to, to to like about this roster and, and the construction of it. 
And once again, hats off to Derek Fisher for being able to get creative. Um, I mean, look, you you, had, you took arguably your best player last year, your most consistent player in Erica Wheeler, right? Mm-hmm. She was in the lineup every day, and she did just about all that she was asked. And you you trade her, and you end up getting a talent back like Kennedy Carter. But not only that, you get a uh, you get a you, you're able to shed some cap space. Um, mm-hmm. and the trade the trade uh, to acquire Katie Lou, you get a first round pick back as well, and they were able to use that on on the Ray Burrell. So. Um, the creativity was at all time high for Derek Fisher, and so uh, it was it, it was remarkable what he was able to do. And, and now now it's just it's time to show. I mean, it, it's a sprint, and we all know this in the WNBA. You don't really have time to jail. Like you, you need to you need to do that, work that out in training camp. And so um, yeah. here they are, and, and they got a tough trek, right? It, it's eight of their first eleven are away from Crypto.com Arena, beginning with this four game road trip to start. Ooh, well, Rayshawn, you just mentioned. Ray Burrell. Shout out Ray Burrell, Vegas native. I know her. Uh, Liberty High School, uh, rooting for her so much to do well. And, you know, and, and I, I see her confidence growing with each game. And I like what she's done in, um, in the first two games. So really excited for her. The whole city's kind of behind her. Uh, she's our only girl in the WNBA right now. So super exciting times for Vegas. Um, but speaking of just, you know, the roster, what returning player do you think is going to probably have the biggest jump? I know you guys don't have many. I predict just, you know, I think Brittany Sykes is going to be huge uh, for the team. But I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on what, what you thought. Look, I love Slim, and I love what she's done already to start the season. She She's had five steals in each of the first two games. Um, last year, she wrongfully did not win the Defensive Player of the Year Award. I'll just go out and say that right now. Like, I, thought, I thought she was more than deserving. But I will say this, the fact that she was even mentioned and among the finalists, with the Sparks record being what it was, I think that just shows to just her impact, right? And, and just the way the team was able to get after it uh, defensively a year ago. She's she's not done. Like, she wants that award. And, and if mm-hmm. you talk to her, she is a defensive savant, right? Mm-hmm. If you ever had a chance to talk to her about defense, um, just the way she gets – like, she studies this stuff. She studies – previous defensive players of the year you know and especially those from the guard position um and how how that's not you know normally the norm right that is it's so easy to give it to a big right she studies it from the WNBA perspective but also from the NBA perspective she'll talk to you about angles and things that she can do to distract the opponents and, and baiting like like you can really just open up your notebook and just take notes, right? She she can literally put a clinic on it, and it is so refreshing to hear her. Uh, I've never heard anybody speak about defense in, in the manner in which she has. Um, so of course you you got Slim, you know, doing her thing. But Cheney, I mean, if if mm-hmm. she's if she continues to be healthy, I think she will be huge for this team. She already showed it with her her rebounding and her toughness coming off the bench uh, in, in these first couple of games, but also defensively. Like, she did a very admirable job against Candace on opening night. Um, you know, she was in there fighting for boards and, and loose balls and getting on the floor and things like that yesterday uh, at Indiana. So I, I think this could be a big year for Chanae. I mean, we talked about Nick and her injuries. I mean, Chanae's injuries go back a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't play in the bubble. She only played seven games last season. You know, 19, you know, there were some injury issues there. So she's she's had a, a rough road just to wow. get back to this point. And uh, you talk to her, she says, I mean, she's got a massage therapist. She's got a, a dietitian, a nutritionist. She's got somebody for this injury, for that injury, right? So, I mean, she really went all in this offseason to try to get herself back uh, and ready to be able to compete for an entire season. Nice. Well, just a little sidebar about, you know, Brittany Sykes or Slim or whatever. Um, I know Brittany. I played against her overseas. 
um, in Israel. Um, I was kind of bouncing around in Atlanta when she was a part of the Atlanta dream. And what, what I just find so commendable about her is, you know, she came into the league as an athlete, maybe not so much like, you know, Supreme defender, whatever, but, but I really appreciated the fact that she's locked into a role and, and she's made herself a valuable WNBA player pretty much on, on any team because of her ability to do that. And I think young girls can really take note to that because maybe you play in college and you have a reputation as being something, but okay, baby girl, now you're in the WNBA and the only way that you're going to stay on this team is by doing this. And yeah. so that's what I've always appreciated about Brittany was that she came in as an athlete you know, everybody wants to score. They want to make an impact. But she found out that, you know what, sitting down on defense is what's going to keep me here. And, and she's really improved. And, and I see that, you know, she works at sliding her feet. I felt like before she came into the league and, you know, maybe she'd let her player beat her. Then she wants to come from behind and kind of get the block and, you know, make the big play. But now she is really sitting down. Um, it's been incredible to watch the growth and just to see how far she's come just for me playing against her and knowing her and seeing her in Israel uh, to where she's at now. So really proud of her. And I just kind of wanted to give her a little shout out. It's, um, it's so funny you say that because she has this little right to left crossover that she does. She breaks it out every now and then. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and we get all excited, this, that, and the other. And Brittany's like, look, I wasn't always this defensive player. Like, I, like I, this is oh, what I did. Like, no, I, she can do that. that. And, and overseas, <laughs> she's getting 20. Like, don't be fooled. She's just smart. <laughs> In the league, she's not required to get 20. In the Absolutely. league, she's required to run around and play good defense on the best players. And, and she's done that. And that's kind of what I wanted to make that point. Because overseas, people know Brittany's getting 20, like 100%. So she's absolutely right there. Um, just kind of going back to the roster a little bit. You know, you guys kind of got some national attention uh, with the cutting of Ted Cooper and Garantes. And I just kind of, you know, it, it just kind of shows the difficulty of just making and staying on a WNBA roster. I mean, Taya Cooper was, you know, was good for the team. Both had prominent roles, you know, last year um, and what they did. But, you know, I just kind of wanted you to talk about, like, how, how you have to deal with having that hard salary cap and, you know, play, paying the players uh, to, to keep them performing and to keep them, you know, locked in. When, when you see circumstances of, like, you know, with Taya Cooper, who was on the roster and had a lot of attention and gave you guys a lot of good publicity, and now she's no longer with the team, so... Yeah, it's tough. We always get to the end of training camp. And look, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't really get it. This is my second season with the Sparks. I didn't really get it until last year. And and, mm -hmm. and Shanae put out that 144 doc. And that kind of opened my eyes to some things and just seeing what happened in training camp. Um, this is a hard league. Like, this, this is the hardest league in the world to make. They're just 12. They're just 12 roster spots, 12 teams, 144 players in total, right? And it's not like the NBA where you have a G League or mm -hmm. maybe you can keep 15 to 17 on your roster but only dress 12, you know, every night. Mm -hmm. Like, you're at a 12 maximum. And because of the mm -hmm. hard cap, a lot of teams stay at 11, right? Yeah. So they don't stay – they don't keep carry the full 12. And so it was important for Derek Fisher to be able to carry um, the key 12 the, – the, the, the whole 12. Um, but when he assembled this roster for training camp, you know – he assembles it with it being highly uber competitive, okay, right? Yeah. And and look, the the, the Ted Cooper one was, was obviously uh, it, it was heartfelt by a lot of Sparks fans because of all the things that you mentioned, right? And, and not only that, I mean, she's a two way player, and, and mm -hmm. the, the things that you know she's able to do defensively, and this team kind of builds itself on the defensive end. You kind of figured she had a good shot um, to be able to make this squad, but that just goes to tell you just how hard it is to make a roster spot in the WNBA. Taya Cooper is a WNBA player. Like, make no Absolutely. mistake. Absolutely, yeah. Like, 
And the fact that right now, you know, she 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 she's Not out of the league. Mm -hmm. um, that's just heartbreaking. And so you you heard uh, you heard Cheney talk about it during training camp. You know, the, the the Aces had cut you know their top pick. You know, like, mm -hmm. like this two is, of them, eighth like, and eleventh. Yeah, like, like this is a place where you know, even if you're a first round pick, you're not guaranteed anything. Mm -hmm. um, and and so uh, Brianna Stewart talked about it as well, saying you know the league needs more. You know, there there there's thoughts out there that there are a bunch of owners that want to come in and, and and have a team that will require you know some some expansion in the league. Um, and so uh, you know talked about maybe even having a G League or a practice squad or developmental mm -hmm. squad or, or something along those lines where maybe, you know, if an injured player goes down, you can bring somebody, bring somebody in that mm -hmm. squad. Um, so I think all of those things um, would be beneficial. I think, you know, in time, we will see some of those things in play. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, the league has grown tremendously from like a rating standpoint and just the overall attention that it's been getting. So I think it's coming. It's just unfortunate for those players right now. They're not able to benefit from it. But um, Arella Garantes, I mean, a lot of people thought she was going to be the first guard taken in the draft mm -hmm. last year and she ends up sliding. Um, and, you know, she's not a member of this team either. And someone who you saw, a ton of growth. She benefited from playing in mm -hmm. Ukraine um, in the offseason. A ton of growth going into training camp. But, you know, once again, just just uh, I mean, it's it's just the life in the WNBA. It's very tough. No, so. absolutely. And, you know, one thing I will say is I, I do respect what Derek Fisher did, because, you know, just being somebody who has bounced. You know, I never played a complete WNBA season. I bounced around many teams, Atlanta, New York. Um, Chicago, seven-day contracts, replacement player contracts. Um, for Derek uh, Fisher to just say, you know what, Taya, Lexi Brown, may the best girl win. Like, e even though Taya, you know, had been on the roster, and, you know, I know Lexi Brown, too. She played in Israel, um, you know, and I, I'm excited, a little bit biased, you know, that she made the team just because I know her personally, and I, and I, and I know what she went through um, to kind of get there. But, but I respect the fact that, you know, you have to really, it's a dog eat dog. You got to fight for your spot. And, yeah. and some coaches and some GMs aren't willing to make certain decisions because, well, you know what, this was my number eight draft pick or, you know, or, you know, Taya Cooper was on the team last year. So we have to keep her. You know, if somebody comes in and beats them out, then, you know, I, I, I see, I, I respect Derek Fisher for doing that, even though it's not an easy decision. And I'll, I'll say this, and I don't, I don't want to speak for, for Fish, but you look at the difference, right? Lexi Brown gives you shooting, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Sparks couldn't shoot last season. Um, and that's even more imperative now when you got Liz and you got NECA who can operate down low, right? You need some shooters around them. Um, Taya Cooper for all that she can do on the offensive end and on the defensive end, you know, shooting, not necessarily her strength or relative right. same thing, not necessarily their strength. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it, it comes down to, to little things like that. I mean, Taya could get downhill with the best of them, right? But you got Liz clogging up that middle, you know, mm. double team's going to come. You need to kick it out to a capable knockdown shooter. And, and I think Lexi obviously gave her herself a, a great opportunity by coming in and being able to knock down some shots. Yeah. And, and like you said, it doesn't mean that they're not WNBA caliber players because they're no Absolutely. longer on rosters. There's yeah. there's many talented women that aren't on rosters that have been there or bounced around or didn't stick or did whatever. So it, it just goes to back to the fact that you talk about how competitive it is and how limited it is, you know. So I agree. Rashawn, one last question. We'll let you go. Appreciate your time. You mentioned the growth, that the growth is eventually going to come. There's some positive momentum over the last few years. Um, have you noticed anything? Are the Sparks doing anything different or unique that you know of to, to, to grow? Because the reason I say that is because of the competition. We're in LA, like you mentioned. 
there's a lot of publicity. There's a lot of choices here. The city's always changing. Obviously, me and you've been here a long time. We grew up here, but especially now with the Rams down the down the street, the Rams are the world champion. So the Sparks need as much eyeballs as they can. Are they doing anything different that you notice in, than in the past? So just my second season, you know, as I mentioned, but I, I think one of the things that sort of hurt them last year was the fact that the NBA schedule got pushed, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of the WNBA having pretty much that entire summer to itself, yeah. Now it's the Lakers and the Clippers just sort of yeah. competing with in the summer for eyeballs, right? Yeah. And like you mentioned, LA is hard. Uh, you have to win in LA, right? <laughs> if, you, if you want attention. But not only that, there are 11 pro sports teams here. And that's not including, you know, UCLA or USC, USC yeah. right? So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a battle each and every day. But I think, um, you know, the organization has been committed to, you know, just trying to get more eyeballs. I think just, just you know, from a, a PR standpoint, just, you know, trying to push more stories, trying to get the attention of, you know, some of the local stations around here and this, that, or the other. I think the LA Times and and, and the SoCal News Group have done a really good job of, of covering the team. Um, it's growing, like we mentioned. But one thing that I will say about the Sparks is they have their fan base, right? And, right. and there was a stark difference. Like, I, we started games in the LA Convention Center last season, and then we go over to with, with Staples Center back then. And I mean, they showed up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sparks fans will come out. You continue to win. And that's Sparks fans and some of their friends. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that's that's the key. That's the goal. Um, but the product has to start on the court. Right. You, you got to win um, in order to, to create um, that attention. And uh, so, I mean, I, I think the first step is, you know, what Fish did in the offseason and putting together this, this championship caliber roster now. You know, let's see how how it, it works out on the floor. Got you. Well, appreciate your time, Rashawn. Why don't you let people know your Twitter handle and where they can follow you? Obviously, you come out on KTLA Sports, the uh, nightly news as well, the sports segment. So talk, talk, just let people know so they can follow you. Um, at R Haylock on Twitter and at Watch Ray Ray on Instagram. Um, man, Ron. My man, I appreciate this. You know what I mean? Like we've been going, we've gone back for uh, forever. Uh, so yeah. nice, nice. Appreciate. Thanks, thanks, y'all for having me. And um, thanks for what you're doing for the league, man. Talking about the league, like stuff like this, this matters, you know. So um, th- thanks for what you're doing for the W. Anytime I I can be on, you know, feel free sure. to, hit, to hit me up. Yeah, hopefully awesome. you can come on later in the season if the sparks are deep in the season. We'll, we'll make sure <laughs> we'll they will be. They will be. All right, appreciate it, Rashawn. We'll see you. Have a great week. Bye. Okay, bye. Um, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's grown a lot, you know, he covered high school football games. We'd go and, you know, we'd have fun and, and talk a lot about just the sports. He's covered a lot and he's obviously doing the KTLA news, which I mentioned last week. It's funny. Cause I mentioned the, the story about, uh, Hank gathers and that story, crazy story with Lisa mm-hmm. Leslie and her passing out that, that means yeah. be on the KTLA channel five news is, is good. So I'm so happy for him. Like, you know, people, yeah. Watches input every night, you know, late, late night. I'm yeah, sure you watch. Dude. What did you grow up watching? Did you grow up like watching a sportsman in the K, K Channel 3 in Vegas? We have. I couldn't tell you who he was. But, yeah, we have our local people, but I couldn't name them. You couldn't name so, You didn't really yeah. you kind of just get out there and play. Yeah, just watch. You're more of like, to, yeah, you'll watch it if it's on. Yeah. Very interesting. So, yeah, I mean, it's very tough in L.A. Because, like he's mentioned, you got 11 post sports. I didn't really mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even that didn't process that until he had you know mentioned that. So yeah, and and obviously they're off to a good start, and and they have a good team. So yeah, what did I want to take a little bit more to talk about? He mentioned what Derek Fisher did and the tough cuts he had to make. 
mm-hmm. you know, obviously Tia Cooper got a lot of attention behind that. And do you think that that is like shows how good the league is or is there any thing like, man, we got to keep the popular players or you think like, no, the league's past that. We don't just have to keep players on because they're popular. We need yeah. the best players and the best players deserve the, sh- the spots on the team. Yeah, I mean, we definitely need the best players. I think that's going to grow the game more than anything. Um, Obviously, it's nice to have popular players, too, because you're going to bring in fans that you maybe not have before. Um, But, you know, like I said, it's really the nature of the league. It honestly has nothing to do with her. I do believe she's a WNBA player, um, but it's just kind of the situation. They needed shooting. She's competing with Lexi Brown, who's a good shooter. And, you know, ultimately that was the decision to kind of, you know, choose what was the best fit for the roster as opposed to, you know, maybe what might bring us, you know, more attention. And I do think the league is past that. And that's what I think the league needs to get past some other things and have, you know, the older players that have been there forever, you know, not necessarily be able to decide when they get to have their, you know, uh, (laughs) retirement party. Like, yeah. you know, if, if, if there's people that's better than them or whatever, like, you know, I'd like to see those young people get opportunities. And like I said, sometimes it's difficult decisions to make. But, but I like what Derek Fisher did. And, and you're seeing it with other teams, too, um, cutting high draft picks and stuff like that. Maybe they weren't as ready as you thought. I don't think that that really is a good look. Um, so I said there has to be some type of balance. We talked about, you know, yeah. keeping a high draft pick or keeping um, – you know, a rookie player, at least one on every single roster. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's just the nature of the league, honestly. Gotcha. Let's talk a little bit about the players themselves. We kind of mentioned some of the favorites. Um, we mentioned in the NBA that the double, the NBA player of the year, the best players, is it's, it's kind of open the last few years and it creates for good discourse. People have their choice. They like Joker, some like Greek Freak, some still like LeBron. Oh, LeBron still, you know. Yeah. No, we still like LeBron. Don't say that. He's not the best, but we still like him. I like him. <laughs> it creates some, some, some good fan interaction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the, in the WNBA, there's been six different MVPs in the last six seasons. So is somebody going to make it seven for seven? Or do you think one of the veterans that you mentioned, Aladell Don, uh, Candace Parker, is one of the veterans going to kind of put it together and have a big season? I, I can't see it being somebody new. I think the last several people that you've seen are the better players in the league. Um, so I can see one of those people repeating before I see somebody that I just didn't expect getting MVP, you know? Um, maybe you can see somebody like Kalia Copper, who was the finals MVP. She's never been the league MVP, sneak okay. in there. But I think when you look at a collective season, it's always going to be the Brianna Stewart's. Um, you know, the Deladons, just the top tier, uh, John Cole Jones. Uh, believe it or not, and I actually talk about this with my friends all the time, like there's levels to the league as well. So even in the NBA, you have, you know, you have, yeah, you have your KDs and then you have, you know, your people that are, everybody else kind of falls below. So I think that there's a handful of girls that you see in the WNBA that are just top tier. And they are going to dominate as they always do. They are clearly the better and the best players in the league. And, you know, we are not surprised or shocked when any of those people do well. Um, You know, kind of just bringing up the topic, it makes me think of Brittany Griner, who, you know, the league is missing, who's still not with us uh, right now. But, you know, she's one of those people. There's a handful of people. Yeah. Five to seven players that can potentially... Yeah. yeah, that can potentially get it every single season. Most of them are repeat 
um, players. And I, I, I think it's going to ultimately come down to one of those people again. One of those five or six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the biggest offseason acquisition of any, any team? Obviously, we talk about the top tier players and we've talked about the Aces and we talked about the Sparks. But of any team, who's the top offseason acquisition that could make a difference in a, in a, in a playoff run? Um, I look at Chicago acquiring uh, Emma Mieseman uh, or Messeman. Uh, she, you know, big part of the su- success in uh, Washington. Um, tremendous player. I-, I don't really think there's maybe at the position she's got to be, you know, top three, you know, uh, as just playing the four, stretching the floor, passing ability. There- there's nothing that she can't do. So any team that can get her, like I, you, you have to feel that they upgraded because there's not yeah. many players better than her. Um, I also look at Tina Charles, who, you know, kind of joined Phoenix. I was worried in Phoenix, not worried, but I just thought, wow, like they have a lot of like big names and a lot of people that want the ball and have done different things on different teams. Um, yeah. But Tina Charles, perennial all-star, um, yeah. incredible player. You know, I, I wanted to see how she was going to be alongside Brittany, um, but obviously that may not transpire this season. Um, but you know, anytime you get her and the price that they got her at, like, you can tell that she just wanted to be a part of a winning team and kind of just give herself a chance. I mean, she signed for basically nothing, um, which, you know, shout out to Tina. She has her Hopi's heart, uh, foundation. Um, and she actually donates her WNBA salary, um, to my knowledge, uh, to that foundation anyway. So, you know, she's made a lot of money overseas. She's not really, you know, too worried about money. So, you know, yeah, she's there like maybe on a 110, less than 120 contract in Phoenix when obviously she's a max player anywhere in the league. Wow. Um, but you know, she, she made that sacrifice to win. So, you know, getting her and getting her at that price to be able to still put pieces around her, you know, you have Skylar Diggins, you have, um, Dana Taurasi still on the roster, um, Shay Petty, who's incredible for them. Um, they acquired Diamond to Shields, who probably has the most potential of any player that I've ever seen. You know, she's had a couple health issues and wow. stuff, and she hasn't been able to to tap into how great she can be. But, you know, yes. if she gets to that point, then she's going to be hell um, as well. So they have a lot of really good pieces. But, you know, Tina Charles and Emma Mieseman by, by far were the two best offseason acquisitions. Yeah, shout out to Tina. I didn't really know that about her. Yeah. I followed her when she was at Christ the King and she was at UConn. I mean, I knew all about her. She was- yeah, hope he's hard. Check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out one day and see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about the rookies. As you mentioned, it's hard to make an impact. We've talked about that a lot. It's hard to even crack the team. So which rookie will surprise and maybe even challenge number one pick Ryan Howard for rookie of the year? Do you, do you think Ryan Howard's the, the front runner for rookie of the year? If she's not, who, who else is out there? I mean, she's the front runner. Like, look, this girl, she just has a pro ready game. Like you just look at her, everything comes so smooth and so effortless. Like, you know, the, the team is not great in Atlanta. Uh, they're also missing the, their best player, in my opinion, and Tiffany Hayes, who hasn't returned from overseas yet. But, you know, they haven't been great the last couple seasons, which is why she was the number one pick and how they had were able to acquire her. But she just has a pro game. And and I think sometimes you see these players in college and, and, and I feel like as good as she was in college, she's going to be a better professional because that's just how she plays. Um, but I will say if there's going to be anybody to challenge her, it's going to come from the Indiana fever. Um, the Indiana fever has the most rookies currently of any roster, which means two things. Uh, one, their team will probably not be good, but that's okay. You know, they're building for the future. Uh, but they have four. 
And the one that has impressed me uh, the most is uh, Nalissa Smith, uh, Baylor forward. She's been a monster. They only play two games. She's a double-double every time she plays. And most of the time she has the double-double like by halftime. <laughs> so she is very good. And she definitely has a chance to be rookie of the year. Uh, my personal, personal favorite is Destiny Henderson, a point guard from South Carolina. Uh, just a heady, tough, competitive player. I mean, she can score the ball. She can shoot the three. Uh, she's making all the right plays. I, I, I like how she's kind of um, got everybody together. They're missing Danielle Robinson, who's probably their veteran leader, veteran um, point leader. guard. She's still overseas in Turkey. But Destiny Henderson has stepped right in, and she looks good to me. And, you know, just being a point guard, I, I really like what I see from her. Um, they have Emily Inglister, who is coming out of Louisville. Uh, just a mature, poised player. I mean, right now averaging 7.7 rebounds in their two games, but just plays like she's been here before. So, you know, I, I like it. I like when I feel like people just fit in and, and, and they kind of adjust quickly to the learning curve. And we've seen that from Queen um, Egbo, too, who's also another player that they have, another rookie averaging seven points, five rebounds. So they have, I think they won the draft um, easily. Yeah. With the young talent that they brought in. I, I really like what Lynn Dunn is doing over there now as the new general manager. You know, uh, Tamika Ketchings uh, stepped down. So she took over that position. Uh, she's been there before uh, doing something different, keeping so many uh, rookies on the roster. So that's something that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, but definitely trending in the right direction for the future. Indiana has been a bottom team uh, for the last several years. Wow. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's they're heading in a positive direction. So they're not going to be good, you know. Maybe they'll add three more rookie draft picks uh, next draft because I can see them being in the in the lottery. Yeah. But you know, I like that they're they're trying to shake it up and do something different. And maybe some of these teams will take note. Like, hey, if if Indiana can surprise people and be competitive, then maybe people will say, "Yo, maybe young is the way to go." Let's get rid of the forty and thirty-eight, thirty-seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. let's get rid of those and let's bring in the young legs and if we can get some wins out of it then hell yeah i don't yeah. know i like it so yeah. i see a, a a challenger for ryan howard coming from indiana fever gotcha. one of those girls well we'll see how that shakes out obviously i want to get your uh put you on the spot a little bit who's going to be in the WNBA finals and who's going to take it and not who it's you very want. it's very hard Who's do it <laughs> it's very very hard and like i said it's just barring health like some of the really good teams like I, I don't think i think people are sleeping on chicago chicago gonna be right in the mix you know i haven't heard nobody talk about them repeating because it's really hard to do but okay. they have all the pieces they got Sloot running the point they got mms upgrade they got candace parker doing her thing they got emerging kalia copper who's about to be a star in this league for a long time so yeah. chicago needs to be talked about a lot more i will say that um shoot but i don't know connecticut sun upgraded um you know their wing position they uh, reacquired courtney williams who played for them previously but left for a season and went to atlanta she actually became the all-star in atlanta uh, but Atlanta wasn't good, so they ended up getting her back. And I feel like she was definitely a piece that they needed. So that may get them over the hump. But I don't know. I just don't believe in them as much as I should. Like, they have so much talent, but I don't know. So John Claude Jones, who was the last MVP, who is really, really, really incredible. If somebody can repeat, she can definitely do it again. Um, so they have good pieces. They have leadership. They have what you need. But because I saw them struggle so much, 
last year in the playoffs just from the guard positions and just, you know, going on that 15-game winning streak to kind of crumbling. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm just – I just don't feel great about them. So I want Chicago to be in the finals, and I'm going to go with the home team against the Aces. Becky okay. Hammond is going to do it, and the Aces will win their first championship in wow. – Franchise history. Yeah. Let's get it. 2022. I'm, I'm taking the aces. Wow. Now that'll be, that will be a crazy storyline, especially if Chicago's in it again, you know, and has a chance to repeat. But, uh, you know, we, we appreciate that insight. We're going to see how it's going. It's going to go fast. So hopefully we get a couple girls and maybe Rashawn back on and we'll get a couple players back on as the season goes on. We obviously have quickly approaching summer. AU grassroots season is here. Basically, we got Section 7 coming up in Arizona. Yeah. The Pangos camp will be out, which is in Vegas. So a lot of things on the docket and a lot of things moving quickly forward. Uh, it seems like the summer's coming very quick. And like you said, this season is going to go by very quick. Um, so we appreciate people tuning in. Uh, we're going to get out of here now. It's been, a, a like you said, it's going to go by fast because the season goes by fast. Like you said, 30 games. We appreciate people listening in. Make sure you guys listen in to our other podcasts, uh, Unapologetic, Buckets and Breakdowns, Noble and Roosh, Kicks of Your Life. Thank you for tuning in. Audio-wise, you know, you can sign on iTunes, Spotify. Appreciate people who also jump on the YouTube version. I know you guys like to get a crack out of the YouTube version. <laughs> like Chelsea, dude, what do your friends say? Did they like the audio so far? Did they like to jump on and see what, what you're saying? No, they like the YouTube version for sure. They were like, girl, post it. Because one time I posted Spotify or, you know, the audio one. And they were like, what is this? We can't even see you. I'm like, okay, I'll post the right link, you know, from now on. So yeah, yeah. I think YouTube's the way to go. Gotcha. So let's... Thanks for keep watching in the YouTube version. I know you can grow the YouTube version. I think my followers like the Spotify version. They like to hear Not me. Really. But uh, <laughs> it's good to watch the, the YouTube version. So we appreciate that. I think for now, me and Chas are going to get out of here. So thank you for tuning to episode 129. Until next week, we'll catch you guys later. Yeah, thanks, guys.